Exploring the Word of God together allows us to share in the joy that comes from discovering the words of hope and salvation which overflow from our Bibles. Upper Room Media presents to you this educational, enlightening and entertaining Bible study. Prepare to be transformed. Alrighty, now the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Um, so I was asked for a, to give a kind of a sharing, is what I'll do. Um, and Saint Bishoy was uh, the man picked. Um, and Saint Bishoy is actually a really lovely story. It won't be too long. I think it'll be quite short. I think the way I'll try to do it is, I'm always, you know, told that in any sharing that I give, I don't give enough stories. So this is all stories. Okay, so hopefully this will be a bit more yeah, gripping and you don't fall asleep. Uh, obviously, if you have anything to share, just feel free to say it. Um, so as you can see on the screen, um, the very first thing you see is a very famous picture. Can you guys see me? Yes, you um, a very famous picture of St. Bishoy. Um, and you'll see uh, our Lord um, in it. And that's one of the stories that we kind of will, will mention. St. Bishoy is actually described as the perfect man. Now, I think if you had like a slogan to a name, if you had like everyone had their own little slogan, I think the perfect man is like gold. That is gold. Because really, like, if you think of the perfect man, it is Christ. And to, for you to be named the perfect man, like you've done something right, you're a hot shot. And like, I want to know what you did, what you've been doing, because I want to be the perfect man as well. Kind of like how King David has like a man after God's own heart, like, no one else has that. Like, you are doing something right. What are you doing? I really want to know. Now, um, St. Bishoy is actually is mentioned in the liturgy as a perfect man and the beloved of our good saviour. Um, and in Arabic, it's Ragul al-Kamil Habib Mukhalisna al-Salah. That was my attempt of doing it. Sorry. Um, we'll go next one, Rafs. So he's actually the... Uh, founder of a monastery um, after his own name called Inwadi Natrun. So anyone that's gone to Egypt will know that there is a bunch of monasteries there. Um, and he's uh, quite a popular one. Now, Bishoy in Coptic um, means, in, in Coptic means the exalted or the great. And St. Bishoy actually has a number of different names, okay? So he's got the star of the wilderness is what it's called. In Arabic, I think it's quite cool. That's why the only one I've included. Kaukab el which I think is really cool. Um, also called the Pilgrim, the Lover of Our Saviour, the New Jeremiah, which I thought was a bit strange. Jeremiah, what? How did Jeremiah enter into his story? I didn't get that. Um, and also the Perfect Man, and you'll realise that he had many interactions with Christ. We'll go next slide. Yep. And so one big question when I was reading this story is. Is it possible for me to meet Christ as well? Like, is it possible? We always talk about these saints and we always think of saints as like this, they're over there and I'm here. Man, they're olden days, God appears all the time. Now God, like whatever, like it's hard to get a hold of him almost, you know, and my life is too busy and whatever. Like, is it actually possible for me to meet the Lord, to meet Christ? And sometimes, you know, some, some people will say the answer is, yeah, you meet him at the liturgy. But, I don't know, like, sometimes I really don't feel that. To be honest, I don't feel it. I, I go to liturgy and I come out unchanged, same, same. No difference. And so, one question when I was going through it today, 
uh, when I was going through this talk is, can I meet Christ? And maybe what we'll do is because I'm, I don't know how to really. So let's see how Saint Shoy did it. And maybe we'll take some pointers, whatever. So we'll go to the next slide, Raf. Uh, if I don't, you're free to jump in after. Okay, cool. Um, so, Saint Bishoy was born in 320 AD, um, around the Nile. So his mother actually did most of the raising up. His father had passed at an early age, um, and he had six siblings. Now, story time. And, and what I'll do actually for this talk is kind of like some little pointers, and then I have like um, a story, and then maybe a contemplation question. So that way, like, Kind of, we do a bit of thinking, enjoying, whatever. So, what happened is when his mother, his mother, um, she was she was raising up um, Saint Bishoy and his brothers, pretty much or siblings rather, um, and an angel appeared to him, uh, appeared to her, sorry, and said, "Can you give me one of your children for the Lord?" And she was very pleased by this. Firstly, like a mother being pleased to give a child to the Lord, that obviously reflects that she's a very holy woman, no doubt, because no woman wants to give up her child. Like, let's be honest here, right? And so, um, she left it up to the angel to pick. And so, the Lord, or the angel, picked Saint Bishoy. And then the mother was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't go with him. Don't go with him. He's actually really weak. He's physically weak. Take one of my better children. Which is really sweet. Like, which mother, firstly, wants to be like, hey, like, separate the kids in terms of, like, priority to a degree. But she really wants to give everything that she has to the Lord. She wants to give the absolute best. And even of her own children, she's saying, like, take him and not Saint Bishoy, because Saint Bishoy is all physically weak. But the angel insisted, and Saint Bishoy was chosen. Obviously, this gives you an idea that Saint Bishoy was brought up in a very, very Christian upbringing, no doubt. Um, and you can see that the mother was very holy, and she was doing it all herself. Well, not, not of her own accord, just the father had passed away. Um, so that's the first little thing about Saint Bishoy. And again, this reminds me of kind of a similar thing to like King David. You know, like, he's the one, the shepherd, the one that is forgotten by his father when they are looking for kings to anoint. And, you know, Jesse, his father, doesn't even mention him. And, you know, when, when Samuel comes, he's like, no, 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 you have another one. You have another one. He's like, oh, he's the weak one. He's not really, he's with the sheep. You know, you want all the big and bulky. Again, God does not pick and God does not see the way that man sees is the bottom line of that story. We'll go next slide. So his early life is that he actually went to the Iskit wilderness at the age 20. Um, that's probably younger than most people here actually. Or similar age or younger than most people here. So he just decided, he's like, I'm for the Lord. Um, which is quite impressive. And he became a, a student of Saint Benoit. Um, Saint Benoit was actually uh, a relatively big saint in terms of a number of uh, the saints the father of some of the saints that I'll speak about shortly. And he was a, um, a student of St. Macarius the Great. St. Macarius the Great was a father of community when it came to monasteries. We have like a different like idea in our church. And, you know, there's like two or three schools of monasteries. There's like the complete seclusion like St. Anthony the Great. I go into the wilderness and that's it. St. You know, Macarius was like, no, no, you know what? Let's do communities. Let's bring all the boys or the priests and the monks together. And that's the way that we're going to do it community-wise. And so he was. And Saint Bachomius, sorry, Saint Bachomius, yes, yes, sorry, yes. Thank you for that. Now, Saint um, John the Short actually was a brother of Saint Bishoy. Now, um, Saint John the Short is known for his obedience. 
So what St. John the Short did, St. Benoit actually spoke to him um, and had told him, I want you to go plant a stick, put it into the desert, and go get water from a very far off and keep watering it. And obviously to someone that's like, what are you doing? Like, that's a bit of a weird thing. And he kept doing it, and I'm sure it's a famous story that a lot of us will know. Eventually a tree grew out of this stick, and it's um, up until this day. And the monastery, uh, I think, I don't know which monastery, but there's a monastery. It's in St. Bishoy, okay, well there you go. It's in St. Bishoy Monastery. Thanks, uh, thanks, Raph. It's like you did the homework with me. It's like you did it with me, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, perfect, perfect. And so, um, that's the story, uh, the saint of obedience. And so he's a contemporary saint to St. Bishoy. Um, and so we'll go to the next, we'll go to the next slide. So, um, what we'll do is, like I said, we'll do the virtues, or we'll look at the virtues of St. Bishoy and take one by one and kind of just have a little bit to think about. So, we'll go to the first one. A life of discipline in prayer and fasting. So, um, St. Bishoy's life was filled with this. He loved Tazbaha, filled um, praying without ceasing, lots of vigils. Um, St. Bishoy was very known, actually, to wanting to always pray to our Lord. Pray, he loved it, absolutely loved it. So there's a famous story a lot of you guys will know. He enjoyed speaking to the Lord so much that he tied his own beard up in his hair, up into the ceiling, and he would pray throughout the night. And whenever he would get a little bit tired, he would rest up a little bit, and so his beard or his hair would get pulled on and tugged, and that would wake him up so that he could continue praying. To some of us, this is ludicrous. Like, what the heck is happening? This is like on a different planet of an experience to us. Like we are in and out when it comes to prayer. We are like I gave my five minutes. I did my, you know, a prayer, if that or whatever, our father, whatever it is. And I'm out. See you later. Like that's it. But he like loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, and in fact, to the point where his favorite book was actually Jeremiah. And it said that he would actually would read it so much and he'd have a lot of questions to ask. Um, and I'll kind of talk about it in one of his other qualities, but he loved every, like he had a big love for everyone. That as Jeremiah the prophet was known for lamentations and lamenting for his fellow brothers and sisters who were sinning and whatnot, so too was Saint Bishoy. To the point where Jeremiah the prophet would actually appear to him and would explain some of his sayings. And that's why he's called the new Jeremiah as well. Like that's why the reference to Saint Bishoy is Jeremiah. This was all new to me. Um, and so I guess the contemplation question for us, right, is have I ever felt awkward in prayer or conversation with God? Have you and I ever felt awkward when it comes to conversation with God? Um, you know, one way that I like another way of thinking about it is sometimes you have each person here may have a friend who can talk for hours about anything. They can just talk and talk and talk. Have I ever been like that with Christ? Can I talk with Christ for hours? Can I, like, I don't want to leave the conversation, like, to that extent? Because that's how St. Bishoy had it. Like, if I was to try to picture it in my limited mind, like, he didn't, he didn't, like, for him going to sleep meant an opportunity of him not speaking to God. That's crazy. That's actually crazy. 
Um, and that's one of the things that may, like, maybe we should start fleshing out. Is that something that I can share with St. Bishoy? You know, what's obstructing me from getting there? What can I do differently? What is it? We'll go to the next slide. St. Bishoy also is known for his discipline. So St. Bishoy is a big faster, as you can imagine, a monastic, right? It's said that he would fast from once a week to eating once every 21 days. Um, and sometimes when he would break his fast, it's only for bread and water. Only bread and water. It's not like it's any like sweets or nothing else, just bread and water. So he would go for days without fasting. Story time. King Constantine, do you, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, um, Constantine was the guy who actually, Constantinople actually comes from him, in fact. And he's the guy in around two or three hundred um, AD. So, the, <laughs> that, <laughs> yes, so he was actually just before St. Bishoy, though. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so he, he actually appeared to, sorry, St. Lachbatheni, bro. King Constantine, he's the first sort of Christian ruler to try and make Christianity a religion everywhere. Before it, or Diocletian and whatnot, it was, Christianity was always under persecution. And so Constantine is the one who basically wanted to make Christianity, like, almost forced on everyone. And he was, like, happily made it widespread, Okay. So King Constantine actually appeared to St. Bishoy in a dream once, and he told him these words. If I had known all the honor bestowed on the monks, I would have left my kingdom to become a monk myself. And Amber Bishoy you know, answered saying, but you were the one that removed the worship of idols in Christianity and made it prosperous during your reign. You know? And Constantine answered, yes, a lot of that, but not the honor of the monk. Um, which obviously is like a huge thing because, you know, imagine the royalty and whatnot. And it makes us remember the importance of like a monastic life, like the, the, how highly valued it is by God. It's really like that life of, you know, discipline, that life of um, uh, sort of giving your life to God and is really, is really honored. And so the sort of contemplation question we have today is we're talking about fasting and discipline. Do I ever get hangry? That's the first sort of question. And I'm the one, the first person to say 100% I do. Um, and maybe we'll extend it by, am I controlled by food? And then maybe you can insert whatever sin you have. Am I controlled by, I don't know, my ego, my wealth, image, lust, whatever it is, like pornography, or whatever it may be. Is that something that I am occupied by? Is that something that drives me? Is that something that makes me go like, you know, I, I don't have a say in anything. I'm controlled by it. And I guess the next question is, do I ever see Christ in fasting? Like, I, I, this is a very unnatural thing to want to fast 21 days. Like, that's not normal. Um, and our, I, number one, will also say that I a lot of times I'm fasting and the last thing I'm thinking about is Christ. I actually think that you know, I make up these arguments to say that fasting makes me really angry. And if I do that, I'm definitely not experiencing God. So fasting is not for me. Right, you know, like, see, see how God works, right? I, so see how the devil works, sorry. Like, you know, it really plays in your mind. Um, but the importance of life of discipline. We'll go to the next slide. Can I say something to you? Hard. Yes, sorry to be interrupting you, but I just want to say that 
No, no, no. I know I you have a love. Yeah, that's all true. Good points. Thank you for sharing. Um, or in life of humility, awesome. Um, so in terms of the next sort of virtue is his life of humility. Um, now, it's custom actually in those days, right, where people, especially when you go into a monastery, or a group of, it wasn't a formal monastery established there, but just a group of people, you walk in the desert, you need to be very um, accommodating to people when they come. And so very often people have come long, long journeys. And so the custom of the day, and even like in Christ's time, similar, people would come, long, long walks. So what would then happen is they come, they take off their shoes, they wash their feet, and they feed them. And like, it's an honor to be able to do that. And I think even to this very day, when you go to, you know, a or teta or uncle or auntie, you know, you make sure that you get fed. Like that's an ethnic thing that we have. And I think it's like a similar thing that we've had from the very beginning. And to St. Bishoy, there was an elderly man that was walking across from the desert, a long travel, and he was welcomed by St. Bishoy. And so St. Bishoy, as some of you may know, took his feet, didn't know who he was, was washing his feet at the basin. And as he was washing his feet, he realized that this man had scars on his feet. And he looked up and as at that point, he realized that it was Christ himself that he was washing the feet of. Um, which goes to show the, the, the real humility of St. Bishoy. The real, real humility. The other story that a lot of you guys will know, it's very famous of St. Bishoy. After that, the priests that were with St. Bishoy um, had found out that, you know, Christ was around and they missed out on the experience. And, I don't know, they were cut, I guess, to a degree. So they begged St. Bishoy. They're like, you know, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And so Christ appears to St. Bishoy, telling them that he's going to appear to them on a mountain. And so I think it was like at the... At a particular hour of the day, they would have to go meet him. And so the story goes that a lot of the monks were there with St. Bishoy, and they were going up the mountain, and there was this elderly man who was, you know, trying to make his way, and then he's here overhearing people saying, hey, Jesus is going to be up on the top of the mountain. And so that guy is like, oh, I need a bit of help, I need a bit of help. And so all the priests and the monks, are, monks rather, are walking past, and they go straight up, and they're kind of like, they're like, we need to get there, we can't miss out on Jesus appearing. And St. Bishoy, seeing him on the side, possibly elderly, not looking the best, um, took him on his, you know, he said, I'll carry you, took him on his shoulder. And as he starts walking, his weight was initially quite light, and his weight increases and increases. And as he then realizes, he says to him, how did you become so heavy? And he looks up and he realizes that he was carrying our Lord himself. He was carrying Christ himself. And... A lot, and you know, he eventually goes up to the mountain, and Christ disappears. Then goes up to the mountain, and they're like, "Where's Christ? Where's Christ? We've been waiting. We're on time." And he's like, "You missed out on him. He was actually there. He was the elderly man, man on the side. He didn't look very, you know, very, 
you know, amazing in appearance to them, that was Christ himself. And so, I guess, when we talk about humility, the contemplation questions that come to us today now is, how do I handle criticism? Bunya Aub says that when we think of humility, think of how you, how you react and respond when someone says something bad about you. Whether it be a friend, a person at work, whatever it is. How do you handle criticism? If you respond saying, pointing out the flaws of the other, then maybe that's something for us to you know, think about. Should that be your first response? Should we, our first thing, when someone points and says, you know, you're a loser, you suck, or whatever it is, or you're so slow, you're so this, you chit-chat, whatever. If I'm like, oh my gosh, how dare they say that? And that's the response that I have. Then that's something that I really need to think about. Is that Christ-like? Um, so what is my response if someone puts me down? Would I say I have an ego? Does that make me have an ego when I, you know, when I'm like taken aback and I'm like, no, like that's not cool. Um, if you think you have an ego, what brings it out? When does it manifest itself? How does it manifest itself? You know, do you get sometimes a little bit worked up? A little bit angry? You think about it a lot? Um, you do the whole walking up and down in front of the mirror. I should have said this. I might not say that. can't believe that. Um, maybe another question might be, have I ever willingly put myself down? Would I ever do that? Is that something that would ever cross my mind? Um, question. Um, what is the difference between humbling yourself and self-deprecation? No, no, no. Someone else can answer these questions. What do you guys think? It's a good question. Humbling versus self-deprecation. Any thoughts at all? Anyone? No, no. Uh, when you say self-deprecation, um, is that more in a humor sense? Um, uh, I suppose it's like oh, when it's like oh, uh, you lead. No, no, no. I, 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 suck at leading, or whatever it is, something like that. Um, or are you, you know, uh, playing an instrument? It's like no, I'm not that good, or whatever it is, you know. Like, yeah. Just basically downgrading or. Da- Downplaying, yeah, playing, yeah, downplaying yourself. I guess yeah. you know, and some people may see that as a lack of confidence, possibly, or like an insecurity. Even like, where where does it lie? Am I just being humble? Am I insecure? Like, mm. possibly, if you take it to the complete extreme, I don't have the answer. Okay. Um, isn't there that that quote by Saint Francis of Assisi that says, "Humility is not um, thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less." Mm. So it's less about it's about refocusing the spotlight onto Christ rather than on yourself, rather than. Yeah, and so I, 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 yeah, and that was, I'd only add to that and say that I think it's more about Christ Himself. I think that's what true humility is. When you're literally your whole attention, your whole focus, everything is about Christ. And you know, you may be not a very good musician, and that's true. That's not necessarily humility. Like I suck at musical instruments. I don't mm. know how to play them. Um, but I think if there's any honor or glory or anything given to your only talent, you recognize that it's not your own talent, but it's His. And I think that's what probably humility. Um, sometimes how does that play out in real life sometimes that's not necessarily an easy answer or thing to work out and um, I don't know if that kind of helps to a degree okay well the, the follow-up question would that would then be okay if you when you place yourself down 
is that the same as saying putting God up? Or is, are we talking about different things here? When we say, uh, have I ever willingly humbled myself or placed myself down? What are we talking about here? Oh, um, yeah. I guess it's more like, are you um, probably recognizing your reality is the way I put it. And what I mean by that is this, like more about, um, firstly, I know that all the talent and the gifts and anything that I have is from him. Um, and that not necessarily isn't putting yourself down, but it's more to say that any attention or any, you know, I know that we have, so that's what I'd probably say. I know that there are, in our church fathers, we have like, you know, orthodox fools, they almost, the spiritual fools they refer to, and they, you know, purposely act dumb, purposely act silly. Um, we have a lot of contemporary, even um, priests and monks, who, you know, act like they're so silly, and you know that they, these guys are literally living saints amongst us, and they try to go to the complete extreme to detract any sort of glory to themselves. They try to go to the complete extreme. They act like madmen. You know, even King David did it to a degree, you know, but he did it to try escape sort of like, um, uh, you know, a bit of like um, a fight or whatnot, a conflict. Um, but no, our church, like, we definitely have church fathers who go to the complete other extreme and say that they're crazy, they're lunatic, they act like they're schizophrenic, you know, they've got schizophrenia and they're madmen, essentially. Um, and all this to basically just, so no one gives them that attention, and maybe for them in their own spiritual life, they would have the idea that if I do this, this will limit, cut out any opportunity for me to think that I, you know, I could be pride, I could be proud or I could have pride. Um... I don't know if we should go to that complete extreme either, but it's definitely something to learn from everyone, really. Um, and I guess the last point is, what does laying one's life down really mean? Um, one thing that Winnie Orbert had actually recently said, and that comes to service, he was actually saying himself, he's like, it would be a dream for him to, in pre-service, and when anyone's serving, that whoever it is that's serving should wash the feet of the pre-servants, just as Saint Bishoy does it with, well, just as Christ does it with, you know, his disciples, and Saint Bishoy does it right now. That washing feet concept is a laying down one's life, um, and I would argue, you know, is this something that we should really be applying, like that to that extent of wanting to give to another, of laying yourself down for another? Is that something that we should be doing a lot more of? Because it's so easy in this day and age, just thinking about me. It's all about us. It's all about ourselves, my time, my this, my that, my feelings, my rights, my this, my that. It's all about me now. Sorry, next slide. Um, the love of people. So St. Bishoy was loved by all. Um, his disciples loved him. He apparently had a following of up to 2,400 disciples. Um, and as mentioned... He used to cry for the sins of his disciples and the general people like Saint um, Jeremiah the prophet. Um, and that's how he got, you know, um, that's how he got that name of the new Jeremiah. And I guess the contemplation question here for, for us, which is kind of what we're touching on, is have I ever cared, firstly, about myself and the state of my spirituality when I sin? Like, do I really care about my spirituality? Is that something that's important to me or not? Um, what is my response when it comes to my spirituality? When I fall, when I sin, sometimes I care, sometimes I don't care. I'll take it to the next level. What about when I see my brother or sister fall? 
is that something that I care about and react and respond? I, you know, I think I can speak for a number of us. That's not something that I ever think about. I don't think about like when my brother falls or when my sister falls and how that, you know, how I could have that spiritual sort of want and need not only for myself to revive but also them. Like that real love to think of the other and not myself. That selfless, not selfish sort of um, life. And I guess the last question would be, do I even have a response when that happens? Maybe a better way is, should I have a response? We'll go to the next slide. Um, he's also known for his life of purity. Um, you know, in the Beatitudes, we say, the blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. And we know that Saint Bishoy saw God not just these two times, but number of times. It's known in the church tradition that Saint Bishoy would refer to Christ with a phrase similar to Habibi. Pretty much like Habibi. Like, can you imagine you speak to your Lord, our Lord, as Habibi? Like, that is really sweet. It's very, very, very sweet. And so the contemplation question is, how can I see God? Like, have I ever heard His voice? Do I know what His voice even sounds like? Um, have I ever seen God as Habibi? Like, my love? Have I ever seen Him as that way? Do I see Him as my father? Do I see Him as like this father that, maybe not even a father, as a judge, maybe as this guy that I just have to talk to every once in a while, or whenever I need something, you know, the... That's sort of like, I need to put in the right codes, the right little praise, and that's when God, you know, spits out the right, you know, present and gift for me. Do I ever see him in, see him in a relationship? Next one. Um, he's also known for defending his faith. And this is probably one of the last sort of virtues, guys, all right? Defending the faith. Um, so there was actually a story where there was a preacher at the time, and he was quite famous for his preaching. And what he came out with saying was basically that the Holy Spirit wasn't actually God. You know, we were kind of half addressed this in part of the councils, but this guy was in modern day Egypt, or not modern day, he was in 308 Egypt or so. Um, and he's saying that the Holy Spirit isn't really that important. You know, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is not. To say Bishoy sure, came out of um, the desert, and basically, at least that's how in the Arabic movie it's presented, which I watched very recently. He just walks into the scene. And he's got three baskets. Um, and people are looking at him like, what are you doing with the baskets, right? And he's like, the reason I have the baskets is because this is a trinity. And I do everything accordingly. And he tried basically, the translation is not very good here in terms of how, what exactly he said. But he uses the three baskets as a way to explain that there are three persons of the trinity. Um, and the contemplation question for us is, and what I was thinking about is, have I ever defended a really close friend of mine in a group of people when they were, say, for example, saying false things about them, him or she, him or her? Say, for example, there's a group of people and they're talking smack about someone. Have I ever defended them? Sometimes, yes. But like, especially if they're a close friend, right? You may very well be like, no, like, she's actually really nice. Like, no, you've misunderstood her. Or like, no, man, the guy's just really busy or whatever. Like, he's not a dog. Like, come on, give him, give him, a, give him a break, man. Give him a break, right? And you'll defend them, right? Has that person ever been Christ? 
have ever, when people are talking smack about Jesus, which is all over this like news, Kylie Sandilands and all these people, like when they're talking smack about Christ, have I ever been like, no, like I'm a Christian and this is wrong? Have I ever wanted to say that? Maybe I might even say, have I even mocked Christ myself? Have I been denying the faith? Have I actually been adding, you know, salt to the wound? Yeah, adding salt. Yeah, that's right, actually, right. I think so. Have I ever been making those insults myself? Have I been joining in to try fit in with the group of people? We'll go next slide. Um, in the latter years of St. Bishoy, um, he developed a strong, very interesting relationship, spiritual friendship, with another saint called St. Paul of Tamoy. And he developed this really strong relationship with him. And it's said that they, these guys would speak to each other. And towards the very end, there was a divine voice that promised both of them that they would be buried together. Um, and so in July 4, 15, 4, 417, St. Bishoy passed away. Um, and he was buried next to St. Um, Ambabola. And the story here is, um, as they were taking the, um, the body of St. Bishoy, um, they put it on a boat and they were about to move it. The boat did not move. And they're wondering what's going on. Why is this boat not moving? You know, you know the water's all clear and I can move it very easily. And I think one of the disciples of St. Bishoy, knowing this, had said that, you know, we knew, we know there's a divine voice that St. Bishoy must be with St. Paul. And only when they put St. Paul in the body as well, in the boat as well, where the boat started moving. And I guess the contemplation question here is, or I guess... The good point to remember is there is strong, really, real strong power in spiritual friendship. Having a colleague, a friend, a brother, a sister, a partner, to try use them as a way to get to God is so powerful, so so powerful. We really underestimate it. I know, like a lot of people, for example, they use friends to go to the gym, and you know, people get really surprised when they're like. Like I'm, a, you know, and they get surprised that these people are going to gym, and it's, you know, and eventually they come out saying that it's only because I was in a group or my my gym buddy, whatever it is, they got me there. We can definitely apply that concept when it comes to spiritual, um, spiritual gains, I guess. Um, we'll go to the oh yeah, and so Saint Bishoy, that's Saint Bishoy's body. Actually, an interesting fact that because as Saint Bishoy had carried Jesus, Jesus told him in response, "Your body will never be." Um, uh, will always remain preserved and it remains that way till this day we'll go to the next slide oh yeah, sorry you're there and so when I think of Saint Bishoy at the very end I think of this particular quote by Saint John Chrysostom if you cannot find Christ in the beggar at the church you will not find him in the chalice next slide the first question we asked was do you want to see Christ is it possible for me to see Christ and I think the answer to that is to see him in the beggar. To see him in those around us that we may not really think of or see Christ or want to even you know, consider as Christ in them to begin with. I think the answer, if you want to see Christ, is ultimately the way to do that, sorry, would be to try see as Christ sees. Christ sees that everyone here is, you know, an image of him. And I think anyone who, for example, has spoken ill of you or done this or done that, they're all broken. Everyone around us is broken. Whenever someone is mean or angry or whatever, we often you know, hate on them. But 
these guys probably have broken relationships and they've come out of brokenness. And I think the way St. Bishoy would see it, the way Christ would see it, is these guys are needing love. Um, and I think uh, just the next, last slide is basically an image of the monastery. Um, and this is actually one of, I think Andrew could correct me if he's here, that this is where they um, got one of the quiet time images, I think, for St. Mark's. So, and we visited that as well. So it's from St. Bishoy's uh, monastery. I mean, glory be to God forevermore. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.